Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca and today we're going to discuss how to fix your relationship when it's on life support. So you're not getting along, there's pent up anger, every time you uh, you go to have a conversation, there's an argument, you feel lost, you feel alone, and you're struggling to figure out what to do next. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> I think we've all been there once or twice. Well, that's what we're talking about today, how to fix your relationship when it's on its way out. Joining me today is show regular Joan Kelly Walker from the Real Housewives of Toronto. Also, uh, she's the mind behind the Joan Kelly Walker collection, available at walmart.ca. Thank you for having me. And uh, as well, we have registered psychotherapist from Couple Therapy in Toronto. Yeah, the, comp- the company's called Couple Therapy. And his name is Rana Khan. Thank you for having me as well. Yeah, welcome. So let's talk about dicey relationships and the signs that we know that our relationship might be on the rocks. So yeah, so the famous um, relationship expert, John Gottman, um, he has this idea of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, Basically, he says that anytime these four things are present in a relationship, uh, that means that, you know, something's not going right. Or as you put it, the relationship is going to the rocks. Um, And these four he calls them horsemen of the apocalypse, are uh, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling, and criticism. And he says, above all the things, um, contempt is like the largest or biggest predictor of um, a unsuccessful relationship. So if you feel any sort of disgust towards your partner or hatred towards your partner, that is a really good sign that you know something's not going right. So I, I take something like that and I try to apply it to some of the work that I do with couples. And I look at it as um, when your needs are not being consistently met, that is probably a sign that you know something's not going right. And I think all these four horsemen of the apocalypse, they show up consistently when your needs are not being met in a relationship over and over again and you know there's not a really good explanation as to why those needs are not being met I mean, of course i can understand you know life happens um you know you go through transitions you go through changes um you go you know you get married you have kids you know you might retire so many different um transitions happen and at any every stage of those transitions you have different needs and if consistently your needs are not being met or specifically at a moment when you really need it your needs aren't being met then your relationship will most likely fall apart you said something Hmm. about when you're at the point where you can't stand your partner That's a good sign that uh, your relationship's (laughs) on the rocks. But when you get to that point, I mean, isn't it too late when you can't stand your partner? Like, how can you turn around from that? Well, I think, you know, couples, they always come to this point where they can renegotiate the agreement. To me, a, a relationship is an agreement between two people that I will take care of your feelings and you will take care of my feelings. And I will also take care of my own feelings, of course, and that we will work together towards a common goal. I think if you have those two things, then you'll have a really good romantic relationship. And, you know, when you come to a point where you can no longer stand your partner, can you take a step back? Can you have some forgiveness? And can you say, okay, well, 
yeah, something's fell apart. Can we have a relationship 2.0? Can we reconnect? Can we, you know, date each other again, so to speak? And can we just start fresh? And I guess it ma- mm-hmm. like it all has to do with, is your partner going to meet you halfway, right? Of and course. it's also about being heard. Like, that's the thing. Sometimes you're you're really trying, and you might be thinking you're doing those things, but you don't feel like you're being heard. That's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I think being heard is one thing, and then also being able to communicate what you want the other person to hear is also another thing as well. Yeah. So how about, like, okay, so resentment and anger in relationships often stems from the disbelief that your partner could have possibly done what they did. You just can't understand it, uh, why they would do such a thing. So what are some suggestions or your best tips on how to express our anger in a healthy way to deal with the anger that might be in the relationship? Yeah, so I think when you come to anger, you know, again, it comes back to the idea that what is the need behind that? So you're feeling anger. So to me, the first step is always to just accept the fact that you're angry. And it's okay that you're angry. And, you know, when you get angry, you have various options of what you can do. You don't have to, you know, anger doesn't always have to show itself in like yelling and screaming. There's other things that you can do. You can express it by talking about, you know, what you observe. We need to take a break, but we're going to come back to this. We're going to talk about how to express our anger in healthy ways to deal with anger in our relationships right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking about fixing your relationship before it's too late. Right here on the Dating and Relationship Show tonight. It's Sunday night. So don't go anywhere. I want you to listen to this entire show because it's going to be a good one. Joining me today is show regular Joan Kelly Walker from the Real Housewives of Toronto and the mind behind the Joan Kelly Walker connection and psychotherapist from Couple Toronto is in studio with us. His name is uh, Ranacon. Hi. Hi. Okay, so I just want you to continue. Mm -hmm. Before the break, I asked you about uh, ways to express our anger in healthy ways uh, to deal with the anger in our relationships. So if you can continue with that. Yeah, so the framework that we often use um, in couple therapy is we call it a nonviolent communication. Basically, nonviolent communication has four parts to it. Um, there's an observation, there's a feeling, there's a need, and then there's a request. So I, I can use an example if you'd like. You yes, know, please. Um, common example that comes up in fights is uh, cleaning. So you know, there. So you make an observation. There are socks on the floor. And you tie that to a feeling that you have. That makes me feel very anxious. And then you tie that feeling to a need. So it's like, well, why are you feeling anxious? Ah, because I have a need for things to be clean. And then you take all of that, you know, I know it sounds like a lot, and you put in a request. Can you pick up the socks on the floor? Hmm. So once some people may not be able to break it down that right. simply, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that's a really simple example. But sometimes, like if it's involving kids or family or, or like some deep-rooted differences, it's so much more complicated. I agree. It is very much complicated, and that is a simplified version of it. But it's simplified to help you see that, you know, there's so much you can do. So 
the first step to healthy communication is always to see, you know, what are the facts? What is there? Um, you know, could be anything. Well, I've noticed that we have been a bit distant from each other. Nobody that wants to hear that. Feel, right? That makes me feel, um, you know, lonely. Insecure. Sad. Makes me feel, right, exactly. Insecure. And I Insignificant. Have, insignificant. Um, I have a need for us to be close. I have a need to connect with you. Can we go more on dates? You know, so the mm. request I say is always optional. Um, you have the choice of saying yes or no to the request, but the need is the most important part. And I come back to this idea that if you are struggling in your relationship, then you come back. Well, what need is not being addressed? What need is not being met? So when you find, when you kind of can figure out what the need is, mm-hmm. how do you communicate? Right. With your partner, because I mean that's a huge barrier right there. Is is you know figuring out the need is one thing, but mm-hmm. communicating that is something else. When yeah. you're feeling not great, right? I I often talk about you know if you want to start communicating with your partner, you have to get their consent in some way. You have to get their permission because you know people have very busy lives. They have very stressful lives, and. You what could do you be, mean by that? Get their permission to get their attention I to guess. get to have a conversation well, with them. Well, you know, if I were to, you know, if I were to come talk to you and say, "Well, you know, there's something that's been on my mind. Um, can we talk about this?" And you can say yes or no. Uh, you could be, you know, you could be going through so much stuff. You could have a really hard day, and you're not ready to take on whatever it is that I'm about to unload onto you. So you should be given that opportunity to be like, "No, yes." So if you say yes, be like, okay, well, you know, this might be a real tough conversation. Is that still okay? Yeah, it is okay. And then, you know, you're preparing the other person that, you know, what you're about to talk about is quite sensitive. What you're about to talk about carries a lot of weight and it's very important to you. And once you've gathered their attention by asking those questions, I think you'd have a far better way of saying, you know, what it is that's on your mind and also being heard. And what if they say no? Divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then, I, then I say that to, to the person who said no, then it becomes on them to to come back and say, well, you know, yeah, I was feeling I was feeling really tired when last time that, you know, you told me you want to talk to something. What is it that, you know, you would like to talk about? It really becomes, I think this is common in any sort of, uh, any relationship, even a friendship, you know, if you have a friend who asks you out, you know, who says, like, yeah, let's go for dinner. Like, oh, I can't really go out for dinner. And then it becomes on you to kind of reinitiate and have that. But mm-hmm. what about if every time you bring something up with your partner and there's always like an argument, mm. it can ne- you can never really have that conversation or you really right. don't feel heard. You right. feel like nobody, they're not giving you the time of day. It's like, why aren't you listening to what I'm saying? And why is this turning into an argument? Why is it me mm-hmm. expressing my feelings and telling you how I feel? Why does it end up in an argument? Right. So is there a way to resolve these arguments in like a healthy way so mm-hmm. that it, or that it doesn't become, so it doesn't become an argument. Yeah, because arguments don't need to be like screaming matches. Right. It can just be that that sense, that feeling of, you know, like a an energy, like a wall in between two people. What's a healthy way to argue, in other words? Well, yes. I think the first thing is to always check in with yourself. Is everything okay with you? We use the acronym HALT, um, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. 
you're feeling any of those things, any argument or fight that you have, or any sort of expression of feelings, probably not going to go well, because you're coming from a place of hunger, anger, loneliness, tired, and there's no way that that conversation is going to be healthy. And then you check in with your partner. Well, are they feeling hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And the answer is no. But what if you're so always feeling too. hungry, angry, lonely, <laughs> yeah. or tired? Right. So then, <laughs> you know, you perhaps perhaps you need a break. <laughs> you need a vacation or you need some sort of thing to, you know, regulate your own systems. I think yeah, it's very important to take care of yourself. We go back to this idea that, um, you know, a relationship is an agreement that I will take care of your feelings and you'll take care of my feelings and I will also take care of my own feelings. Let's talk more about that when we come back from the break. How do you take care of yourself and your own feelings so that you can be happy in a relationship? We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And welcome back to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Joan Kelly Walker, and we are joined here today with Rana Khan. And of course, Laura Bellotta is here because this hello, is hello, the Dating and Relationship Show. And uh, Rana and Khan is from Couple Couples Thera- yeah. Therapy. Oh, it's Couple Therapy. Couple Therapy. One, yeah. So thank you for being here. Uh, now, we were talking about how to take care of yourself in a relationship, and you had mentioned something called HALT, which is hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or something to do with sex that we haven't got yet yet. <laughs> um, so I, I want to talk about, like, so what is the ideal state, and how do we move past these things that are standing in our way so we are not communicating? Yeah. So I sometimes I, I draw a pie chart out for couples and individuals and I say, well, you know, this is your full pie. How much of it are you giving to yourself? And more often than not, people will say, not doing enough of that. Or I say, I'm giving myself a very small piece of the pie. And I ask them, well, what can you do to give yourself more piece of the pie? And it could just be, you know, well, I need to take out time to do some exercise and to do some meditation. I need to take out time and, you know, spend time with my family or with my friends. I need to do some sort of thing that will help me feel more complete. I think, you know, as you get into a serious relationship and you go through these various transitions, kids, house, work, you know, maternity leave, coming back from maternity leave, all those transitions that we go through, there are so many moments where you need to say, okay, well, Yes, I've dedicated a lot of my pie, piece of the pie, towards all these other things. I haven't given enough to myself. And letting your partner know as well that, you know, you are going to take some time for yourself and this will help you recharge. Well, how do you take time mm-hmm. for yourself when you're in a relationship? Because I, I know, like, that wouldn't work in most relationships. You tell a guy <laughs> I need a break. Right. Well, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who are you sleeping with? Who do you want to sleep with? I know. I hear it. But if you take that time for yourself, then then it's something you just have to own it. Like, I'm going to go out tonight with the girls because I feel I really need to do that. And right. that'll fuel me. Mm-hmm. But then you take that time and you do it and you don't feel guilty. Like, I think a lot of times we go back and forth and we start feeling like, oh, I shouldn't really be doing this. Mm-hmm. I should be at home with the kids. I should be doing extra work. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel you feel guiltier when the person that you're with 
doesn't respect the fact that you need time because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't but then you're respecting the fact that they think that more than you're respecting yourself right so right. What, what do you have to say about that Ron? well you know i think a lot of these things are set early in a relationship many people they you know might let their emotions get the better of them early on because it's so exciting it's so fun you're like spending all the time that you have with a significant other that you've just met and you haven't been able to put some boundaries. So a lot of that work comes happens very early on in a relationship when you've just met someone. You know, you want to let them know that you will always, to some point, give yourself a piece of the pie as well. And it's hard for a lot of people to make that transition because, you know, early first six months of a relationship, first year of the relationship, it's all about the other person. It's all about, you know, the relationship. And then, you know, they realize, well, I can't keep this up. You know, this isn't sustainable. And they're right to think that it's not sustainable to continuously be giving to other people and not yourself. And then they'd want to make that switch. And making that switch becomes so much more difficult because your partner that you've just been with for a year, it's like, well, you didn't need to before. Why do you need to do this now? Exactly. Right. So that, a lot of that stuff, you know. So what do we tell our partner in that case? If you if you've spent a year with them, or more than a year, it could be three years, it could yeah. be four years, because right. like it's easier said than done. Like I I know like I always suggest for people if you if you're not in a really good place, you shouldn't be starting a new relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But but we do, some of us do. Yeah. Uh, but like, let's say you're in that relationship for 10 years, but then something happens and you're changing and mm-hmm. you need that time. Yeah. Your partner's not going to, you're right. They're not going to understand. Well, you didn't, you didn't do that last year. You didn't need <laughs> that. You didn't need that before. So why do you need it now? So yeah. what do we tell that partner? Right. So th- there is this whole part of this, you know, in our conversation that uh, there may be times where you might need some professional help about, you know, how to have these conversations. I'm no way suggesting that everybody's equipped to do this on their own. Um, otherwise, someone like myself wouldn't have a job. But I think there's moments where you have to renegotiate the terms of your agreement. Kind of like, you know, you, we have agreements for everything, your your car, your mortgage, your lease, all these things you, after five years, after three years, you renegotiate the terms. You say, well, you know, rent's gone up or like you might have to cover this. Relationships, as much as we don't like to think of it as transactional as this, they are also similar. You will have to eventually sit down and say, okay, well, we've got to renegotiate this. Yeah, I could, you know, yeah, I could spend, you know, like eight hours a day with you in the first year of our relationship. But now, you know, this isn't working for me. I think we're at a healthy spot. We're at a spot where we don't really need to see each other as much anymore. And we are, we can do some of that. Wow. But if you if you don't need to see each other as much, does that mean like some of the magic is gone or it's just the reality of life? Doesn't some of the magic leave anyways? After well, I think, I think it gets replaced <laughs> though. Okay. I think, I think it, it evolves. Yeah. I think it evolves. The magic evolves. It um, evolves to what? I don't know, something more magical. But I do think that relationships evolve. They don't, Hmm. maybe not reviewing them as a relationship has changed, uh, because change seems a bit scary. Um, Evolution seems a bit more natural. You know, it's like, well, we're progressing to the next level. And I think framing it in that way that, you know, we're at a new level of our relationship where we may not have to see each other eight hours a day and be okay with that. And I think, you know, if, if two people are somewhat reasonable I think they can also say that to themselves well yeah you're right like we don't need to spend that much time with each other like we'll be okay and yeah relationships evolve Hmm. I'm telling you relationships are difficult right yeah 
They are very complicated. But no doubt. We're talking about relationships uh, here tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the things that couples fight about and how to overcome them. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're tuned in to Global News Radio 640 Toronto, the dating and relationship show. We're talking about fixing a damaged intimate relationship with Rana Khan. He is our psychotherapist in studio today. And Joan Kelly Walker is in studio joining me as well. I want to ask about, okay, so you keep, let's just say you keep having the same issue over and over again with your partner. How do you address something that you've already addressed time and time again, yet continuously see no results? I think that's one of the things that frustrates me in relationships, okay? I'm just going to tell it the way it is. It's when I, like, will talk about things that bother me or, like, and, and like, I'll have to keep saying it over and over. And the person is, like, will look at me and go, yes, I understand, I understand. But then they'll keep doing the same thing over and over again that I don't like. And it's so frustrating. So... How, what can we do about that? How can we get better results? So I think about two things in that. I think, you know, first thing that comes to my mind as I hear you say that is if you've tried something and it hasn't worked and you tried the same thing, it still hasn't worked. <laughs> what makes you think that you should be doing the same thing over and over so again, expecting different it. results? So you just have to accept the fact that this is who you're with and just <laughs> no, deal no, with it. No, I, I think you but have the to. The other person might just choose, I don't, I don't really care about that issue, so I'm not going to change my behavior to reflect your concern because it's not important to them. I think you just have to do something different. I think if you do, if you try something and you don't get the results you want, we'll try something different. Too many times we'll try to do the same okay, thing, expecting what, what, what different can results. You, what, what can you do that's different? Right. So one thing that I'll like, I like, pull them by the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, but you I mean, like, you can't be aggressive. Like, what can you do that's different? You can't. You, you talk to someone in a nice tone. You ask right. them nicely. You know what else? And eventually, you. St- you don't I want to start screaming. <laughs> so, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about the need and the request thing, I think too many times we, we give people a request and we expect them that the, they should meet the request. And I think that that is a slippery slope because you, I think from what you're telling me right now as well, you'll give the request, hey, like we need to do this, and the person just misses it. It puts It's too narrow of a window for them to show you who they are. I think if you tell them, well, I need this, and it's quite broad. You know, for example, if you say, I need you to be more of a husband to me, or I need you to be more of a partner to me, that gives them quite a lot of room to be like, well, let's get creative. Let's get, you know, intelligent. Let's see what it is that I can do to make this work. Um, But if you say, well, we need to go on more dates, and, you know, your, your measure is so small, you know, it's like, well, this is how I'm going to judge our relationship based on the number of dates we've been going on. And then, you know, in a way, you've set yourself up for failure. But if you can really, if you cast a wide net and you say, well, I need to feel more connected to you. And you let the other person come up with creative ways. Because at one point or another, you fell in love with this person. And you fell in love with this person because you liked or you're attracted to their ability to woo you. Or in some cases, you mm. think you fell in love with this person. <laughs> it's called a spade a spade, sorry. It could be. <laughs> you think. 
How many people say, say, oh, I, I, I thought I loved that person, but then years down the road, you're like, oh, I wasn't love, right? Could that be. was part of your evolving, though. I guess, yes. You learn from all of those situations. I agree. And I think, you know, not all relationships need to last forever. Sometimes relationships... Nothing lasts forever. Right. No relationship lasts forever. It so changes, one person for dies sure. before the other person anyway. Well, so. could you come to yeah. a point where you say, you know, this is like a very modern take to it, but could you come to a point where you say, well, this was good for this time for me, but now I'm a different person. I don't think I'm ready for this relationship. Plus, if you were casting a really broad net to try and, and implement some kind of a change, I think people get resentful of their time. Like, it seems everybody's so busy nowadays that if you're saying, we need to go on more dates or I need you to be more present or whatever, you're actually saying, I need more of your time. And people feel so divided already that it kind of comes down to time management. No, but that's a crapshoot. You have to make time for your partner in a relationship. You well, have to say, isn't that one of the things I, that, I, yeah. with your, like, <laughs> date night should be at least once a month, at least. Maybe oh, not yeah. once a week. You probably tell people once a week. Don't I, don't, I don't tell anybody anything. Okay. I, I say that, well, you, when you're in a relationship, you should know yourself, well, how much can you give? So you go back to that pie, you know, you're giving us part of a pie to yourself. Well, how much of the pie can you give to your partner? or to your relationship and how much of it is being consumed by other things such as well your family or like your kids or your job or your work and if people are saying well you know 90% of my pie is for my work and 10% of it is for me then I would ask you well why are you in a relationship can you really keep a relationship right now and if the answer is no well then we have further conversation about that but yeah, it's mm. all about finding that balance. So I use the pie example. Um, I use the money example. You know, if I give you a hundred dollars, how much of that is? How much of it are you giving to yourself, and how much of it are you giving to your relationship? Okay, let's talk about the things that couples fight about and how to overcome them. Okay, so let's just say let's start with sex. One person wants it more; the other person, meh, can't be bothered. How do you help people that argue about this in their relationship? Good question. Um, I think when it comes to sex, biggest thing to remember is that sex is an act and sex means different things to different people. Many people have very different um, understandings of what sex is. For some people, sex is just penetration and it's just as simple as that. For other people, you know, it's a lot more elaborate. There's a lot more flexibility. You know, I sometimes ask people, when does sex start? And you'd be surprised that some people would say, well, sex starts, you know, as soon as, you know, our clothes are off and, you know, we're getting hot with each other. And some people would say, well, sex starts, you know, days before we actually end up doing it. You know, it starts with like the way you looked at me last week and then, you know, how that changes and that evolves. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Learn so, something new every day. Flowers. <laughs> flowers. flowers. Right. Sending a nice text. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Those All things right. are good. Those are <laughs> important, right? <laughs> well, it sounds like both of you have different definitions of what that is. And so I think that's helpful to talk about. Okay, we're talking about things that couples fight about and how to overcome them, but we need to take a break, so stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca. On Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Joan Kelly Walker. This is the Dating and Relationship 
show with Laura Bellotta. Hi, Laura. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are joined by Rana Khan, who's a psychotherapist from Couple Therapy Toronto. And mm. we were just before the break talking about things that couples fight about and how to overcome them. And of course, the first topic we're talking about is sex. Sex. So how do you meet your partner in the middle if you're not on the same page? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, this is, you know, once we've established that people have different definitions of sex, then we often talk about, well, what do you get out of sex? And to some people, that seems like a really silly question. What are you talking about? What do I get out of sex? You know, get an orgasm and that's the end of it. So then we, we kind of really unpack that about, well, what are you getting out of sex? And to most people, it comes down to connection. We get connection. So that means that when you're having sex or you're initiating sex or, you know, even after sex, what your measure of was this good sex or not is how connected you feel to that person. Many times people, uh, many times people, they follow a script when it comes to sex. And I often say, well, you know, nothing makes sex boring if it's predictable. So sorry, this is their own script or this is like stuff that they've read or... Watched. Watched, okay. Yeah, stuff that they've read, the stuff that they've watched, and they follow that script. Um, you know, and it's the same script over and over again. You know, it begins with kissing, then clothes come off, and then, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And then it ends, and, you know, then you just kind of go to sleep. And that script, I think people get too stuck in that, and they lose sight of that sex is meant for connection. Because that script doesn't really match the outcome. No one's really going to feel that connected if that's your script. So then ask them, well, what is your script for sex? What is it that you do um, when you are having sex? And to change that script, to modify it, to get creative with it, I think that is what will lead to a more connected sex. Okay. So uh, other things couples yes. fight about. Okay, jealousy issues, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's, like, there's especially a, jealousy over nothing. I mean, this is common. <laughs> well, I, I would argue that it's never jealousy over nothing. I think there's always a good reason as to why you're feeling something. Uh, there's you some could just sort be of, an insecure person, and every person you date makes you feel insecure. Could be. Then perhaps you're not ready for a relationship. Yeah, but those people yeah. that aren't ready for relationships are they still going to find in a relationship. They still are in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So th- I think, yeah, I was asking, well, what's your good reason for feeling this way? And then, you know, you get really rich answers as to why people feel a certain way. I think, you know, when it comes to jealousy, um, it's hard to separate the healthy jealousy, which naturally exists there in relationships. There is healthy jealousy? Yes. There is healthy there is jealousy. Healthy jealousy. Um, you know, just a- enough jealousy. Well, you know, I think. We're protective creatures, and we will be protective over things that we love. Um, too much of that is not good. Too little of that isn't good. The sweet spot is somewhere in the middle. But again, come back to the idea of needs. So when you feel jealous, what do you feel? What need gets missed or you know, not really paid attention to? What need gets ignored when you feel jealousy? So it's like when I feel jealousy, my partner withdraws. Okay, well, if your partner withdraws, what goes on for you? Well, I feel like they're going to leave me. And well, okay. I feel lonely. I feel lonely. Vulnerable. Yes, you feel vulnerable. You feel lonely. In that moment, you probably need reassurance. Can you ask for your partner for reassurance? Can you let them know? Well, you know, something happened. It's making me feel really lonely, vulnerable. I need some reassurance. Could you tell me that you love me? Could you, you know, 
do something that will make me feel loved. So again, it follows that same framework, observation, feeling, need, request. Yeah, and coming hmm. back to jealousy, I think it's really important, important. And one thing that I've learned in life is to be mindful of what you say early on in a relationship. Because even if it's innocent, it can come back to bite you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's like all of a sudden you, you, don't, you don't even remember saying something in the like two years down the road. Oh, remember when you said that? Oh, you remembered that? Oh, like that you was... mean if you reference someone you dated before? Right, or and, like if you yeah. even reference, um, for, I'll give you an example. When I was younger, you know, I would, if I got picked up by someone, I would go home that night and go, oh yeah, this guy tried to pick me up today or or, or that guy was doing that or that guy like, but, but meanwhile, I was, it wasn't good because what I was doing was creating jealousy in that person, mm-hmm. even though there was nothing to be jealous about. I don't right. know why I was doing that, but. Right. So were you just saying it to think like, oh, I had a great time. It was really nice to be noticed. Like maybe you were well, thinking God, I'm no, not I guess getting God, enough attention from you. Maybe, or mm-hmm. maybe yeah, too, I guess. Get, really I, yeah, maybe. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe I wasn't getting enough attention or maybe I was just, um trying to toot my own horn at the time. It was young, right? But I, I learned from that and, mm-hmm. I, and I didn't do it later right. on yeah. in life. Yeah, right. only in my early years. Well, you know, I think that as you were saying, well, yeah, you know, always, the need for attention, right, well, if you put always, that out there to your partner. Yeah, because I well, always had jealous boyfriends yeah. and then and it was like, well, well, what's, why do I have jealous boyfriends? It's like I was creating the jealousy within them. Yeah, that need for attention. If that need for attention can get met, then you found your match and... You know, you found a healthy relationship in that way. Okay, and uh, what about buying a house or where to live or like just the, the disagreement on the fund fundamental issues? What if money? You, yes, you can't yeah. anything uh, regarding your children, decisions for your future. Let's just say you're both on two different playing fields. Is there a way to come together? And well, you know, I think. Going back to the idea that relationships are agreements, you know, so you come back and you talk about, well, what's the agreement that we have? What is important? What do we need from here? And sometimes, you know, there are certain topics where you just have to suck the emotion out of it and just, you know, be very mathematical and mechanical about it. And that's also helpful. We need to take but a break. to do. Yeah, we mm-hmm. need to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking about how to fix your relationship when it's on the way out. Right here on the Dating and Relationship Show, Joan Kelly Walker's here. And so is Rana Khan from Couple Therapy in Toronto. He's a psychotherapist. Let's talk about betrayal. How do you recover from a massive betrayal? Mm-hmm. Someone or cheating. Or even a small betrayal. Isn't it kind of the same thing? Like if you're feeling betrayed, is it different? Well, I guess it depends. If it's a bigger no, betrayal? I, well, I think I it, mean, cheating it, it, on it, someone is right. a big che- betrayal. Cheating on someone. Um, what would be another betrayal? Well, thinking about it. Thinking about it, right. So, That's not quite right? a betrayal yet. So Really? So just like we were well, talking sure, about we're human sex, beings. And that being meaning different things, cheating also means different things to different people. Having those conversations becomes that much more important to do. Because cheating could be like, well, you looked at that person, you're cheating on me. Or cheating could be, well, for some people, cheating is only the sexual part. Everything else mm-hmm. is allowed, the sexual part is the only part or that's cheating. Or cheating so I could like also... Texting. 
Texting, my emotional. Husband was texting with someone, I would be, I would not like that. Well, that's no, okay. because that's that's that emotional is a form, cheating. but that is emotional cheating and betrayal. Like just like if you're right. reaching out to someone on Facebook or through right. social media with mm-hmm. the intent, right. it's right. the intent, right? Okay, so right. I'm playing, like you know, I'm just putting feelers out there, sure, and just seeing what comes back to you. Right. Okay. So, yeah, the intent, that's betrayal. Right. Plus, it so, makes you feel good, I think, when you get kind of flirted with a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if your relationship is having trouble, you're not feeling great about yourself. So this is just kind of a way to lift you up. Mm. Is that Does that make it cheating? If your partner would think it's cheating. Then it is? Then, well, you know, it comes back to the idea you have to have that conversation with your partner and to talk about well, what is cheating because you can you can tell that well look this isn't cheating for me and if your partner says Mm-mm, this is cheating for me then does that change your you know need to do that but coming back to you know your original question of what do you do I think to me an affair is a symptom that something is not going right it is not the actual problem. So that always happens. Any sort of affair happens when something else is not right. So if you have a cough, well, a cough is just a symptom. It's not something you can treat. The actual, you know, disorder or whatever is maybe like bronchitis. So you're going to treat the bronchitis. You're not going to really treat the cough. So what's that thing? What led you to, you know, engage in infidelity? What happened? What need got missed? And I think that once you've cheated on someone... That previous relationship that you had, it's over. It's done. You know, there's, um, you have to have a new relationship because all the things that you were doing in that previous relationship have led you to come to this point where you've had to cheat. What if some people are just not monogamous, which well, happens? That's an agreement. Right. That is an agreement so, that you have with the other person. People, you can be in a polygamous. You can, you, can, you can be in a polyamorous relationship and still cheat. It just matters. So to me, cheat, when I think of cheating, taking all the things that both of you are saying, to me, cheating is when you've uh, broken a contract with your partner or partners. So you all have an arrangement. You know, you have a agreement that this is what we will do and this is how we will do it. If you break that contract, you have cheated or infidelity is there. That means that that contract was not a good contract. It didn't work out for you. Now you need a new set of contract. And that's one of the things that people come to therapy for. They say, well, we need help creating a new contract, creating a new agreement for what are the feelings that I trust you to take care of now? What are the feelings that I probably have a pretty good idea that you can no longer take care of for me anymore? And And also people take it upon themselves to change the contract. Yeah. Like without consulting the other person. I mean, that's a huge problem. Yeah, I think in the real world, if somebody were to do that, it would be a problem. And it's a problem. People do that in relationships. So what are the most important things that go into making a relationship work? So I think if Good I, question. <laughs> well. re- really, really quickly, I think it's remembering that you're on the same side. Um, there's this um, therapist, Kathy Weingarten. She has this idea that to her, a relationship is, you know, two people going for a walk together on a park and they're holding hands and they're next to each other. I think if you continuously have that image in your head that, you know, you're just two people walking on the same path, you know, you're looking in the same direction and you're walking towards that goal, then that is what will keep you going. The moment you think that your partner is against you or the moment you're looking in one way and your partner is looking the other way, 
that is when things, you know, as you put it, hit the rocks. Um, so is that is that when you know it's time to walk away? Like, when do we know it's time to walk away? When both people say that, you know, I can no longer take care of that feeling for you. And you know that, well, nobody else can take care of that feeling. I need a relationship to take care of that feeling. That is when you know that you should, you know, this relationship has ended because our feelings just aren't going to be met anymore. What if it's one-sided? Then that person has to make a choice that they're in a relationship where their needs are not being met. And they it's their responsibility and it's their accountability that they are staying in a relationship where their needs will not be met and doesn't look like it will be met anyways. Yeah. And it's inevitable that you and your partner are going to go through rough patches. But I always encourage people to find a way to make it work because the grass and I hope you guys believe with me, is not necessarily greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can come to therapy and talk about that. This idea on grass greener on the other side is they say that the grass is greener on the other side because you're not the one who's mowing it. <laughs> okay, mm. that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Rana, for joining us. It's my pleasure. Uh, where Thank can you for people uh, find you if they're looking for some therapy? You have well, a very nice, calming, soothing <laughs> yes, voice. Yes, very right? calming. Like, so it's like you could do that. Uh, yeah. What is a meditation? <laughs> well, they can visit our website at uh, www.coupletherapytoronto.com, um, or you know they can reach us on our Twitter handle, also Couple Therapy Toronto, um, and reach out to us in any way, and we'd be happy to. And Joan, where can people find you? I'm at joankellywalker.com or on Instagram at joankww. And when it feels like your relationship is on the brinks of collapse, just remember that it takes effort and the willingness to change in order to save a relationship. But it is possible, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get a hold of me, uh, you can check me out at single in the, or email me at singleinthecity.ca. And if you're single, take the work out of dating. Let me help you find your partner. You can hire me as your matchmaker. Again, check out singleinthecity.ca. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week, ciao.